0: Hello, and you're very welcome to the week that really was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan. It is the 18th of May, 2023. I am on my holidays. I am sunburnt. I'm lying out, not currently lying out a beach, but I spent most of the week lying out on a beach, observing from afar the goings on in my homeland. Sarah, you're there. Um, how have you been?
1: I'm fine. Isn't it just nice for you, John, that you're sunburnt? Do you know what I mean? Like God love you on your holidays.
0: I, I, you know, it's. It's nice to be on my holidays. It's not nice to be sunburnt. You know, I think a little bit more, more sympathy, Sarah, would have been nice, to be honest. That no, was a product.
1: I, I had to bring my one-year-old for vaccines today and it was very traumatizing for me and her. So I don't have much sympathy for you. Yeah, things, I
0: understand. Things
1: back here are crap.
0: I understand. Do you know, years ago, I was on the holidays uh, for, the, for the first time in ages. I think it was like 2014, 2015 or something. And um, it was my first time on holidays with my, my wife, And uh, I was there for three or four days It was a really sunny part of the world And the third day I said I don't need sunscreen anymore I'm I'm certainly acclimatised to the temperature now (laughs) And I went out And I nearly ended up having to be in hospital Um, So I'm not that bad this time You went uh, out with no sun cream on? Well there there was like one of those umbrellas Over me And I didn't know that And this is by the way a lesson listeners If you're on holiday Those umbrellas don't prevent UV wave You think you're in the shade But the UV waves are still coming through so that John, was nobody needs
1: that lesson. Nobody well, needs I, that lesson.
0: Well, I did. I did. Just like the Irish Times needs a lesson in artificial Ooh. intelligence. So nice start, segue. Start the week off with a good transition. Because last week on this show, we talked a lot, extensively in fact, about an Irish Times article uh, which said that fake tan was racist. And you were very annoyed about it, Sarah, and you were right to be. But then it transpired that. Uh, it turned out that the article was a hoax in that not that the Irish Times were perpetrating a hoax on their readers, but that somebody had perpetrated a hoax on the Irish Times by submitting to them an article that was written by artificial intelligence, we think ChatGPT, and with a picture where apparently the person just went to an AI picture generator and went and typed in angry Hispanic feminist and uh, submitted the picture uh, along with the article and gave the person a Hispanic name. And the Irish Times published it and then had to, this week, publish a humiliating apology in which they basically said we were duped. So that was funny.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, just because there was a couple of hot takes on Twitter being like, oh, you guys should have checked your sources. Um, That's not the way sources work. This was an article that was printed in the Irish Times, for starters. Second of all, the reason why I got so annoyed about it Is uh, And I will stand up and say, I believed it because that is the type of crap that people go on with these days. And I'm still legitimately annoyed about the fact that women are, it's always the women, it's always women's issues, women's sports, women's spaces that are being dismantled slowly by the new, by the woke agenda. And uh, none of that being written by AI changed any of that, but it was really really funny and 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 like the Irish Times apology I thought was kind of hollow because what they're saying is like oh you know we need to change our we need to change our um our you know what's the word um vetting processes for articles and stuff like that but you still printed it thinking that it was an art that was an argument worth having nobody sat down and read that and went this is a load of nonsense. We're not going to print it. They went, this is a hot take. Interesting. So that's York. that's the problem. Like, yeah. not the vetting.
0: The New York Daily News, that giant of American tabloid publishing, I think in the 1960s, one of its editors used to have a sticker on the wall uh, reading, too good to check as in sometimes a story will come along and it was too good to bother checking, just print it because it'll get people to read. So like a- aliens landing and abducting some fella in Kansas, that kind of thing. Too good to check. You know, people are going to buy that if it's on the front page, we print it. The Irish Times really operated in this instance on the too woke to check principle. The article was just too in line with the prejudices, I think, I have to say genuinely, of the opinion editor, the newly appointed opinion editor, Jennifer O'Connell. Um, who who was ultimately responsible, emails released by the prankster showed for commissioning and signing off on this article. Um, in relation to people criticising you, Sarah, for not checking your sources, I mean, if you can't trust the Irish Times, who can you trust? I mean, we made the mistake of trusting the mainstream media that they would, uh, in this instance, you know, at least have an idea if somebody is publishing an article on their pages that they know who that person is and what their bona fides are. I mean, I edit a media platform, and if I did this—if I published an article submitted by somebody on some very grippy topic, which was submitted by um, a, a prankster with a fake image and an AI name—and I published that and it came out—I would be being crucified for it. Whereas the of Irish course. Times gets to shrug its shoulders and say, "Oh, you know, sorry, these things happen. We we learn and we'll get better. Come off it. You printed it because it was, you know, it was in this case, it was too good to check." Um, yeah. And the idea that you know, up to now, apparently, what we, we can learn is the Irish Times have actually regularly been printing articles without really knowing who the person who sent them in is. I mean, this is the first time this has come to light. We don't know that there may be other people in the past who submitted articles under fake names or whatever. Um, and there's no... There's, I mean, it's funny. I don't know. Uh, we have a friend who's a regular uh, letter writer to the Irish Times. I'm not a regular letter to the Iri- writer to the Irish Times. I think I've submitted about six in my lifetime. But when you actually submit a letter to them, to their editor's page, they, they they ask you to submit your address, your name and your phone number and your contact details. So apparently it's harder to get a letter published in the Irish Times than it is an op-ed, which I just mm. find to be astonishing.
1: Oh, because people don't want their addresses and stuff associated with their with their writing? I presume so. Yeah, I, I mean, presume. I don't know. I, I Like, I think that there's a lot of people who kind of spectacularly miss the point of the whole thing, you know, I saw a couple of people because we clipped one of my rants from last week and people were commenting on like, oh, this is age. And it's like, but it really hasn't, because it's not really about me being annoyed about the latest attack. Like if that. That article, like, you know, saying that women were racist for using fake tan, basically didn't happen in a vacuum like it wasn't this siloed article that appeared out of nothing it was an, yet another article in the sea of articles that where we're being told that we're all racist or what transphobic or whatever it is that week and you know i stand by everything that i said like there's 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 nothing has changed my mind as like and as, as i just said the fact that the Irish time printed it almost proves what i was saying do you know what i mean that like what? That this is a huge, like, it's one thing to the next. Do you know what I mean? Alan Coyne yeah. wrote an article defending it in The Independent, saying, oh, well, you know, <clears throat> maybe there, you know, there is problems with women's uh, use of fake tan. Well, no, there isn't, yeah.
0: actually. But in terms of you being right, I mean, what I'd say is you were right just about the wrong target, because obviously the author was fake, but the people who published it are very real. The people who read that article and said this is what our female readers need to hear about themselves.
1: That person is
0: very real. So Um, this
1: being written by AI doesn't really change that much as far as I'm concerned. It may it's a hilarious, like embarrassing faux pas for the Irish Times, and that's that's great and that's fine as an aside. But it doesn't really change that much
0: because they printed it. Well. They did, and they got egg on their faces. And of course, what happened uh, is what always happens, which is the rest of the media kind of like terrified that this might happen to them in the future, kind of rallied around and said, oh, that's that's embarrassing and we have a little chuckle, but we won't stick the boot in. The boot should have been stuck in because, I mean, as I think it was Ronan Mullins said in the Shannon, how often are we lectured Every, every other day about fake news and trustworthy sources and, and cracking down on misinformation on social media. In this case, the misinformation was in the House Journal of the Irish Establishment, published proudly as a piece misrepresenting itself as being from a human being. And then the public are being told that they have to be wary of what they read from, you know, Johnny Murphy 65 on Facebook it's yeah. it's it's um it it's it's it it just not only in terms of in terms of what you're talking about was it an embarrassment but it casts into stark relief all these lectures we get about how the media are trustworthy sources and it's only you can only really trust the news if you read it on rte or in the irish times or the journal or the independent i mean come on i it, it, they they don't even have basic standards of finding out who the people who write their articles are before they publish them so it's uh, it, it casts the whole thing, I think, into stark they
1: and, and they're not saying... So that article that I just mentioned there by Ellen Coyne, I have it here in front of me where she says, there is a genuine discussion to be made about extreme efforts some white women go to to make themselves seem racially ambiguous. So you agree? Fake tan is, <laughs> is a problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Nobody backed down from the argument. They just got embarrassed because it was written by AI. Yeah. But you're like... So anyway, they're like... It was it was it was fun. I hope it happens again. But the argument was the argument is still that they
0: printed it at all. If you ask it me, will, it will happen again. It will doubtlessly happen again because I think this is the principle. I think a lot of the media operate under this principle. Like it's too. good. I mean, there was another example of it just today, um, actually, from News Talk. I don't know if you saw this, but News Talk published a story today. I just want to get this exactly right in terms of, yeah, their story today was that. Ireland will soon have a Mediterranean-style climate. Oh, I did see Um, that. I was so excited. Yes, um, that was if the Earth is warm as 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels by 2027. 12 days earlier, on the 5th of May of this this same month, so 12 days ago, Newstalk published a headline, almost the only exception, Ireland may see colder weather due to climate change. So 12 years ago, we were going to have wetter winters and bigger storms because of climate change. And now today, uh, literally 12 days later, we're going to have a Mediterranean-style climate. So tell me, how do you trust the news? Which one of those stories from uh, the exact same media outlet is real? Is it going to be a Mediterranean-style climate, or is it going to be a uh, perma-winter? Because it, it seems to me when it comes to climate change, any headline, this is this is one example, any headline on climate change that tells you that the weather is going to be dramatic one way or the other is just too good to check. They will print it um, because it's in the right ideological direction. So if you want to stop this from happening, you have to, I don't know what it is, buy an electric car or whatever. Um, uh, there's, I mean, those two articles are completely inconsistent, published by the same amount of 12 days apart. And again, nobody passes any comment. Well, I pass comment, but hardly anyone else did. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean...
1: But it's the same old, same old, John. Like, it's like, you know, no one, like, you just said it there yourself. Nobody even in the other papers called the Irish Times to task on this AI AI thing. So if no one's ever checking you and the fact checkers come from the system that is reinforcing itself all the time, well, then what do you expect?
0: Yeah. Anyway, speaking of nobody um, checking or challenging the media, um, some people did this week because we have to talk about what's going on in Clare, where uh, there is a hotel, and with no disrespect to the residents of Inch, the hotel at McGrana House is in the middle of nowhere, where the state has decided at short notice to accommodate, I think, up to 80 adult male. Um, I, I don't know if we're, we're not allowed to call them asylum seekers. Um, what are they called? International protection applicants. Uh, On short notice without telling anybody, which has provoked the residents of Inch to say, "Uh -uh, this ain't happening here and blockade the entrance with tractors and diggers and all sorts of other things. Um, Now, the residents of Inch have become, in the eyes of Ireland's great and and the good, public enemy number one this week. So what's your take on that story before I give you mine?
1: My take on this story is the same take I had. You know, this is all the government's fault, like entirely their fault. I think that people are fed up with the management of this. They're fed up with being called right way, old right or whatever the latest shtick is whenever they ask questions. And I think the the government have nobody to blame but themselves. It also just seems like such a chaotic mess all the time. People being moved from here to there, moved from one place to another. I saw a video the other day, people, now we're going back to City West. They were trying to move families. We were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, where it had worked. And then they're taking them all out of one hotel and moving them somewhere else. It's a complete mess. It's complete chaos.
0: And it's not all right to ask whether this is a good system. I, I know, I know, I, I I've got connections in two smallish towns on either end of the country. And in both those towns, there's an old derelict hotel a hotel that went out of business in one case in the 1990s and another case in the 20 zeros. When you say
1: there. derelict, do you mean, because I, I was trying to kind of figure that out the other day, when you say derelict do you mean like it's completely empty?
0: I mean that there have been no hotel guests in it for a decade or more. That but both, both In both these cases they've been lying empty, passing from one owner to another owner with no one quite sure what to do with them. Uh, for 10 or 15 years, uh, but, they've but been, there's been nobody serving Carvery lunches in them, that, that kind but, of hotel.
1: But are they not in bits then? Like, so this well, is the, 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 like, I mean, are the, they not the, completely falling
0: apart? Well, if they are, this is part of the problem, Sarah, because if yeah. you are the owners of those hotels, and this is what's causing anxiety in both those towns, then you can get money from the government to patch them up fairly quickly. Uh, I mean, I don't think the accommodations in McGowan House for these uh, for these uh, 83 or 84 men are particularly salubrious. It's just that they're able to patch them up, throw in a few beds, maybe get some hot water running, and Bob's your uncle. And there's a grant to like... do all that. And then there's a grant to feed the people who come there and all the rest of it. So if you own one of these buildings, it's it's a great business opportunity. But if you live in a town with one of those hotels, uh, as as people I know in two towns in the country are, you're just waiting on the day when the buses show up. Uh, and if the buses show up in either of those towns there'll be protests just like there are in clare but the,
1: like it's also fine probably a step up for some people who've been sleeping in tents in sandwich street or wherever they've been and that's fine but it comes back to the original point john which is that like you know if you're if if you're in a in a difficult position in your life and you become homeless and i say john you could come over and stay in my house and everybody says how wonderful I am because I invite you over. But when you actually get there, it's actually you're sleeping in the garden on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like I don't actually have anywhere to accommodate you. It, ter- it turns my good deed into a crap deed. And that's yeah. what's happening here. We don't have if we don't ha- if people are sleeping in tents, you have to revise what's happening here. It's not alt-right to say this system, whatever is going on here, isn't working.
0: It is a sleeping
1: in a tent on the road like.
0: Yeah. It is astonishing to me that we haven't learned the lessons of France and Belgium. So in France and Belgium, where they have had, for the last 10 or 15 years or so, significant problems with uh, extremism, uh, those problems with extremism have come almost exclusively from second-generation migrants. So they're the kids of the people who arrived to France and Belgium and were treated appallingly. And their memory of those countries has been... That This country treated my parents terribly. It treated me terribly. Uh, they shunted me into tenements and into uh, ghettos. And yeah. as a result, you've got rampant extremism. The worst part of all of this is that we are imposing huge suffering on and stress on local communities who don't want it, while at the same time treating a lot of these people who we say we're, we're, we're treating very well like crap. And that's yeah. not the protesters who are treating them like crap, it's radical government and the government who are treating them like like human, um, like cattle, essentially. Like cattle, to be accommodated in any old shed in any corner of the country uh, and then expecting them to be grateful for it. And um, And at the same time, anyone who speaks up against this, either from a humanitarian perspective or from a protecting their own community perspective, is shouted down as a racist and a bigot. I thought it was hilarious this week to see Social Democrats finally getting a little bit of a taste of everyone else's medicine when suddenly this happened. Was it? Is it happening? In, it's happening in Santry, and now Roisin Shorthall is concerned that local residents aren't being consulted. And then we had Holly Kearns yesterday standing up in the doll saying, "Oh, well, the local residents in Clare haven't been consulted." And then today she's had to apologise because of the backlash she got from the left of her party, for <laughs> saying that maybe the people in Clare aren't bigots and racists and villains. So I mean, yeah. the whole it's it's a it's a uni party thing. I mean, there's no one in the. It's like the hate speech bill that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where. Uh, I saw a headline today in the Daily Mail saying that I think it was Michael McDowell said that there were TDs in the Doll who were scared to vote against it. There are TDs and senators in the Doll who who agree with every word we're saying. I know this because one of them texts oh, me today. Oh, well, we talked. I talked to them. Yeah. Yeah, you talked to them as well. I mean, yeah. And they they're terrified to say anything in public, but they'll they'll moan their heads off in private. Even the to ones the po- who listen to, listen to this yeah. show will moan their heads off in private. Will they say anything in public? No, because they're afraid of uh, what Paul Murphy might say about them on Twitter, I think.
1: Yeah, to the to the point where, and I have to choose my words carefully here, one member of the Oireachtas that I know, I, like, ribbed him a bit about a speech he made about something to do with some of these issues. And I was shocked when he said, no, I fully believe that. I fully believe what I said. And I was like, really? And he's like, no, absolutely. I 100% believe in what I was saying. And I, I was shocked because most of the time when you say this stuff to them, they go, oh yeah, no, I agree with you, but I can't say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh... I finally found one who actually <laughs> was like, yeah, you're totally, because <laughs> I was like, well, it wasn't like a speech, it was a media thing. And I was like, what a load of shite. And he was like, no, I fully believe that. And I was like, you really do? Are you serious? Okay,
0: yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll yeah. you have, have to tell me off air who that was. I will, I will,
1: I will. Um,
0: but um, um, yeah, so so I mean, this is the the situation we're in, in in the country. And I mean, it was the, there was the other incident last week since we were on air last, which happened in Sandwich Street in Pierce Street, where yeah. there was open conflict between, um, I, I don't want to say it was a migrant camp because I don't think there are many migrant camps in, in this country that have no to NATO banners on them. Uh, or are exclusively populated by members of people before profit. Um, but there was that massive conflict between what appeared to be yet another attempt to create an inner-city squat, uh, this time using the migrant crisis as leverage, and uh, a mixture of very angry local people and anti-immigration campaigners who descended to make an issue out of it. And that that could have turned very ugly. I got in trouble, actually, for saying on social media, that people's belonging shouldn't be burned. But I stand over that. I think I think that the, the scenes, I think if you're protesting in this country, you have a right to protest, you have a right to make your voice heard, you have a, a right to do what the people in Clare are doing, which is to blockade the entrance to a building or anything like that, as long as, as, long as obviously you're not blockading a fire truck and there's a fire. Um, but I don't think you have the right to burn people's property, even if it is just pallets and tents. I don't think you have the right to do that. But that's the atmosphere that's being created. And the government is kind of standing by a sort of idle observers while, lu- while lunatics on the left whip up. Um, sort of what they call anti-fascist sentiment and people uh, like local residents get more and more and more frustrated and more and more drawn into a kind of an extreme way of thinking where they start to think that burning the thing down is the only option they have because they don't feel like they're being listened to. Uh, and the government is presiding over all this. Um, yeah.
1: Which well, is I thought was interesting, What I thought was interesting about Sandwood Street as well is that I definitely noticed like um, a couple of things changing. So I have it here that Simon Harris tweeted um utterly appalling and unacceptable scenes in Sandwood Street last night. Everyone in the country has a right to be safe. the right to protest is never a right to endanger or intimidate, obviously. and Liz Watson, Liz Watson is like a Fianna Fáil local area representative um she uh, I've met her a couple of times. She's um from the inner city herself, like she's from Pier Street, I think, and uh, she responded to him and she said, the local community has patiently waited for weeks for you to provide reasonable alternatives for those in the encampment, encampment on Sandwood Street. Meanwhile, the local community was under siege, and we all see how that played out. Totally preventable, and I don't mm-hmm. think that somebody like her, or like a, polit- a local politician like that, would have would have had the cojones to say to say that a few weeks ago. And I think that like people are starting to just start to when when it's in their local community, they're starting to notice that like. The government is just totally ignoring any local concerns on the ground in favor of getting patting themselves on the back as being super great and accommodating for all and wonderful. Simon Harris doesn't care because he doesn't live down there, but she does. She lives yeah. down there, so she what's knows fa- what she's
0: talking about. on that note, what's fascinating about Claire is the way the local people are showing their faces. It's yeah. not I mean and they're indisputably local people I mean I'm sure that in the next couple of days, because it always happens, that the travelling circus from both sides will descend upon Inch and County Clare. It absolutely will. The usual brigade of citizen journalists on one side and um, and sort of left-wing activists on the other holding up signs pretending to be locals themselves. They <laughs> you, will all, can li- they- and you
1: can literally name them as
0: well. Yeah, we won't name them, but we, know, we yeah. all know who we're talking about. And, and, and it's not confined to one side. They will all descend and the locals will get kind of stuck in the middle. But for the moment... What's fascinating is that there's nobody in the country who can deny, you can't run the the usual line that's run in this situation, which is that this is the Irish Freedom Party or the National Party or whoever it is descending on, on Clare, because they haven't arrived yet. They've been as surprised by this as anybody else. This is genuinely local people who are outraged and taking a stand on their own behalf um, because they don't feel like they're listened to. And now Timmy Dooley... Uh, who is a local senator from Clare, is out. He's getting flayed on social media for talking to them and not (laughs) calling them a racist. And he's trying to do what I call the Timmy Dooley shuffle, where on the one hand, he's sort of saying... He's saying, "Oh, look! I have a duty to talk to everyone and try and diffuse the situation," which is a kind of coded way of saying to uh, his his masters up in Dublin that he he sort of agrees the local people are sort of a bit backwards here, but he can't say that because he's engaging with them and representing them. Um, it's very funny to to watch. Um, but they're um, all
1: doing that, John. Like they're all doing that. There's like a. I was thinking today. There's this like fascinating um word Sanskrit word, and it's antivasan, and it means. He who lives on the border, and it's like that's that's what they're all doing. They're trying to like he's trying to straddle the border between being a right wing extremist or in their mind, and but being still of the local people because he knows that on the ground, people are furious, and he's thinking yeah. about how he's thinking about how many votes he got in those, partic- those particular boxes in the last election, and he doesn't want to let them go. I and was like, saying. I literally saw him tweet, did he actually, I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet from earlier on that said, I'm just doing my best to someone who who called him a racist, and it's like, (laughs) he's like, oh, you love it, I love it.
0: He's, uh, oh, look. um, He
1: never, Timmy, God bless him, Timmy, Timmy never met a bandwagon he didn't didn't
0: like. (laughs) like. I'm glad you said that i was going to say something like that but um it, it's 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 very amusing um but at the same time troubling to watch i was say, i was tweeting shortly before we came on this podcast that i don't know if you agree with this but it feels to me very much like the atmosphere in the country around about the time uh, when you and i were young and voting for the first time or around about the first time the 2004 immigration referendum that michael mcdowell introduced where at that time you had the great and the good in the Irish Times and RTE and the Labour Party preaching about how we weren't a racist country and we were obviously going to vote against this thing. And, you know, the, the overwhelming media opinion was running for a no vote. And in the end, when the public finally had their say, it was some absurd 90? figure. Was it, it was, 80? It was, it was touch. 90? I think it was It was between 80 and 90%. I couldn't tell you exactly where. But like, Yeah, because I, thi- I
1: remember sh- uh, tallying that and being like, this is a waste of my time.
0: Yeah, and you were tallying. I'm sure you were tallying, like in Dublin, southeast at the time, which would have been where there would have been high hopes of the of the evil referendum being rejected. And I don't think it was. was,
1: That was probably where it was in the low Mm eighties.
0: And that would have been counted a liberal result. But I think that's. I think. I think the public mood is very similar to that. Maybe it's not eighty percent, but I think if you had some form of a referendum on on let's say putting a, a cap for the next three years on people coming into the country or suspending new arrivals for the next six months or something like that, I think you would get 80% plus of people voting for it because people can do sums and they can see that the basic problem is there are more people coming into the country, there are fewer houses all the time, um, and the number of people we have don't go into the number of houses we have. Therefore, this crisis is going to metasize and metasize and metasize uh, until uh, until there are, are really serious consequences and those are coming. Um, yeah. And
1: it's and, and and you see like this, like evolution of it going on where, you know, today you can say, you know, some things that were racist a month ago, but they're no longer, you know what I mean? And it kind of goes yeah. along like it's, it's complete nonsense
0: it, so that people
1: can make themselves feel better. You know, the government and the government, again, this isn't, this isn't just like immigration is only one issue where this, this problem arises. That's so what the problem is. That the government have just gotten themselves into this bubble where they don't listen, and people are getting so fed up with being lectured to about whatever the issue is, not listened to, and then called names if they don't toe the line, and that's being applied to multiple different things. And it's, I think you're right. I think there was a if there was a referendum on multiple things, they would be stunned at the results they would get, because people have just had it.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see if something like, I mean, they are obviously having a referendum later on in the year and gender equality in the Constitution. I think it'll be interesting to see how that referendum goes because I think it could end up being a proxy vote for a lot of other things. I forgot um, about
1: that. When's that yeah, going to be?
0: This year at some stage, apparently, but who knows? They may call it off. Um, uh, but I think I think it was sort of tentatively scheduled for October-ish.
1: We'll get the Metro uh, in to vote. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's finally. When that's finally. What's we'll have to have a podcast on that at some stage. That saga, along with stop all off. the other. All, we'll
1: stop off at the children's hospital on the metro
0: and on the way to vote. You can phone me on the national broadband network while you're doing yeah. it. Um. Anyway, uh, the other big story this week, um, was a. a Quite a serious one, um, which was the assault of a young—I uh, do not say child because he's slightly older than a child, but he's certainly not an adult. I think he's about fourteen, a young yeah. kid in Navan, on allegedly—and I want to use the word—I uh, want to use the word—advisedly, allegedly homophobic grounds, because the only the only information that suggests that the child anything about the child's sexuality is that the the, the victim in this case has pink hair, which I think is. Jumping somewhat to conclusions, but in, in any case, there was... Um, Ever so
1: slightly, yeah.
0: Yeah, If, if in any case, uh, you said to me before we came on air, you didn't watch the video, and I think you were well advised not to. Not because it's particularly graphic, but because of what I would describe as the sheer viciousness of the attack, the cruelty of it. I mean, it, you, you literally have a gang of young people uh, apparently egged on by what sounds to me like an adult voice surrounding a young person and kicking the crap out of them on the ground and nobody says anything. Nobody tries to help him. from what I can see. Um the most anyone does is sort of stand stand to stand one side and watch. I thought we were past that kind of thing in the country. But yes, uh, I thought absolutely. we were a kind and compassionate place these days. But apparently not. Um what what were your thoughts on that or did you have any?
1: Well I yeah, you're right. I didn't watch it because I don't um I just find a lot of things, we've discussed this before, that like a lot of things, I just don't really want them to be in my um, head, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But, um, and also I think when you have kids, you just kind of imagine that it's one of yours, um, but also that it's one of yours. I mean, I, I was thinking today about the parents of the people who were carrying this out. Like, where do you even go from there? What do you say? If it's mm-hmm. one of your kids who's done this, like you don't have any control over your 14 year old what they do when you're not there so i i like i don't I really don't know
0: i mean it's horrendous i was um i was uh this will come as a surprise to some people and probably not a surprise to others um i was I was bullied in school um <laughs> primary primary school um and I remember how horrible it is I remember how I remember how isolating and alone it can make you feel. Um, and I think probably, although in this case we shouldn't play down the physical injuries this person has received, the 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 cruelty that is inflicted by making somebody feel that hated, um, yeah. should never be underestimated. Uh, and the 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 fact that it could, I mean, let's not pretend we're not innocents. You know, the fact that it could happen is not is not shocking. But to me, it was shocking that in a country where we are told all the time that we are so compassionate now and uh, where kids are always getting... I mean, they spend as much time teaching them sort of compassion and and kindness and tolerance in school as they do spend yeah. teaching maths. Something isn't working um, yeah. is my initial reaction when I see that. There's something broken in society. There is a latent anger in young people that is directed at targets other than the government or their parents. There's a latent sort of anger about the world in a lot of young people. I don't know whether it's the internet. I don't know whether it's societal expectations. We've touched on the past on on the influence of porn. Um, I don't know what it is, but there's something not quite right is my not very advanced diagnosis. But I I think Uh, it's a feeling a lot of people share.
1: I think as well, though, that, you know, like you're like I I I was thinking about the 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 parents of the kids who carried it out, partly because I was wondering about that, like what you know, we're supposed to be compassionate or whatever. But you know, I also think that children of a certain age should have a healthy dose of fear of mm-hmm. their their parents, of their school, of their teachers. Like I was pretty bold in school, probably, but I certainly was afraid to appoint um of my dad you know like finding out my dad was real would get pretty annoyed about bad behavior at school or anything that he determined to be kind of like rudeness to mm-hmm. people um and i certainly like had a uh, you know, like I just my dad had a was an authoritarian figure and like he never put his hand on us once, but it was it it was definitely a disciplinarian and I was definitely afraid of what he thought of me and whatever. And so I was wondering about like maybe it's not maybe it's not that what you're saying is that maybe it's not that the me too and the be kind is is absent. Maybe it's there so much so that people, Like that there isn't enough of a healthy dose of fear of of authority or your teachers or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like I saw a video during the week this week or last week that somebody was putting up about, oh, you know, a teacher shouting at the class and was like, oh, isn't this shocking? And I was like, so what? Like, so what if a teacher flips the lid, shouts at a classroom of, of, of teenage boys because they're being really rude and bold? Like, I don't have a problem with that like do you know what I mean it's like maybe maybe those kids because I was thinking if I got a call from the school my you know, my oldest child is six so this is appropriate yet but like I was thinking what would I do now if that video had gone viral and my son was one of those kids and I'm telling you now John like hand to God my son would be em- enrolled in boarding school next week if that was my kid mm-hmm. I'd be like something's gone wrong here in a major way my child lacks empathy and compassion and I have done something like not right here or something's not right. The crowd he's in with is not right. But I am changing the physical physical dynamic here for him. I'm changing his environment with immediate effect. And I would be withdrawing him from that school. They're probably going to be expelled anyway, but he would be going to boarding school. And I would be thinking, You're, you no longer have a mobile phone. You no longer have this. You no longer have that. And I'm saving you from turning out to be or continuing to be a horrible human being.
0: Will they be expelled, though? You said they'd probably be expelled. I mean, I I don't want to prejudge anything, so I'm not going to talk any more in specific terms about these kids. But what I will say is I would be surprised if in a case like this, it led to expulsion. I think in the current environment in which we live, it is much more likely to lead to counselling.
1: It's much more likely
0: to to lead to sort of like a a searching explanation for the reasons behind the behaviour along the lines of, does he feel alienated? Does he feel... You know, all this crap. Yeah, yeah. What was basically. that what
1: somebody mean to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And what but, the kid
0: uh, needs is a kick up the arse. I mean, that, yeah. That's, the, that's but, be but the, the
1: school has also failed. That's my point. Like, you know, why you hear this thing sometimes that like little kids are sociopaths. You know, like little kids are are you know like two year olds. They don't have empathy. They're you know they'll mm-hmm. crush a spider or whatever. But like at the same time, like teenagers, you know that they, they need like a level of discipline until they. Like I'm more empathetic now than I was when I was 14. Are you like, you also have to develop your personality, your skills, your understanding of other human beings, your compassion for people's struggles, their stories. And some of that comes from life. So the framework that is in place before you develop that ability for yourself has to be discipline, has to be a healthy dose of some sort of fear of consequence. And I think that a group of boys together like that in a pack there's not enough fear of consequence there. Otherwise, some at least one of them would have said, yeah. here, lads, th- this is bad. Like, I'm not getting in trouble for this. We're going to get in such big trouble. Even if they don't have the empathy, they should yeah. have some
0: fear. Empathy is, I think, I think empathy is learned. Um, in I, that, I agree. In that it is it is obviously, and by the way, all our liberal friends would agree with this, because when I was working on the abortion referendum, I constantly used to get the, well, you'll never have a crisis pregnancy, which was true, which was yeah. true. Um. But you know, I have gone through a, a a breakup, for example. I have um come close to personal bankruptcy. I've had lots of terrible personal things happen.
1: struggle, yeah,
0: had, yeah, and so when other people are in those situations, i I literally know how it feels. some some yeah. people are so empathetic they can imagine how something feels, even if they've never experienced it themselves. But even that is largely based on, I think, personal experiences of traumas they've gone through or whatever the case may be. Of some Whereas description, when, when, yeah. yeah. When, you're, when you're 14, you by and large haven't. You you. There are obviously exceptions. There were some kids who've experienced terrible abuse and so on, but an average child will not have experienced mo- most of the horrible things that life can throw at you and will throw at you. And therefore, they're not as naturally empathetic. So they do need fear. Uh, so I think yeah. we're agreed on that. They They need, in place of empathy, they need to know that they shouldn't do certain things because if they do certain things, they'll get their ass whooped. And uh, maybe apparently that's illegal now, so maybe not literally, but they'll they'll be grounded, which used to be the American solution. I don't even I, I don't know if that's a thing here in Ireland or if that's another human rights abuse these days, but there there, there, were, there would be serious consequences. Um, I, I don't know, in terms of the criminal justice system, these kids are all juveniles, so they will never do a day in, in detention. If they see the inside of a court, it'll be a rap on the knuckles, and any record they get as a result of it will be expunged at the age of 18, even if the kids who they abused and beat up and traumatized, and and what's worse, the video of it being everywhere in the country, which I think is probably yeah. worse for that kid, which is why I'm surprised people shared it the way they did. Um, the video of that being everywhere. Um, the damage that kid suffered will not be erased at the age of 18, like the criminal records, if there are any of his assailants. So, yeah, I, I'm fairly appalled by it all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Like I said, I just think that, like, hashtag, you know, be kind and all that. Maybe there's a bit too much of it. And, like, I just there's an absence there of some sort of like teacher figure that makes them all stop because there was certainly one of my school you know mm-hmm. there was that teacher at least one teacher loads of teachers were really nice but as well at least one teacher that you absolutely were like you know shit your pants if you got caught doing something wrong by that particular teacher and there's, I don't see any of that. And they'll you know, like maybe maybe deep down they all know that no matter on the worst case scenario they'll all be brought into a room to talk about their feelings, but really uh, what they need is you know a good a good whatever
0: they need. Me, Hall Martin, to give up his job in the doll, go back to being a principal, and do a bit of his patented finger wagging at them. That's what they need. Yeah, um, green tea only green tea for a month. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, was there anything else before we go this week?
1: Yeah, the me, Irish media's uh, unbelievable inability to comment on the fact that the Durham report has shown pretty much collusion between the Clinton campaign, the FBI, and Oba- the Obama administration.
0: To now, know? let's just remind people: this is the Dur- Durham report is an investigation into what we might call the the Russia collusion story. Am I right? this yes, is the sorry, thing that was
1: that
0: no no I'm just reminding myself so just to tell, to stop me if I'm wrong about any of this. This is the Russia collusion story that every week for about the first three years of the Trump presidency featured in the Irish Times as latest investigation into Trump Russia collusion shows and where there was uh what, what was his name the special prosecutor who was appointed Robert Mueller's investigation all of that sort of stuff featured every week as the Trump is finished now. He's at, And he was actually impeached over that Russia investigation. That's yeah. the one we're talking about. Yeah. And so we've, we've got this Durham report now, which shows that basically the FBI, maybe not as an institution, but let's say politically motivated individuals within the FBI with ties to the Clinton campaign, basically cooked this all up in the attempt to win the 2016 election.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Um, I saw it described as worse, worse than... Uh, worse than Watergate, and far deeper into the bowels of government than Watergate. But yet, nothing, nothing. Um,
0: but sure, it was all in a good cause.
1: But you see, this is the thing. Uh,
0: th- this is the attitude, isn't it? This is this. This is the attitude. I mean, it's not news because it was all in a good cause. I mean, we all got a few bits of column inches out of it. We all got to live with the fantasy. And I use the word advisedly that Donald Trump, who, who and listeners will know, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. I hope he loses the upcoming Republican primary badly. I suspect he won't, but I hope he does. But anyway, he was the president of the United States and we were all justified in hating him. And we were all justified in believing anything bad about him and not being skeptical of it. And if it turns out it was all bullshit, well, sure, it was all in a good cause. That's the attitude, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, again, like I'm not, I'm not a particular fan of Trump at all. But like, you know, the, the point is that one should be able to hold two separate concepts at the same time, which is that you don't have to be a fan of Trump. But you do. But you can also at the same time say that them behaving like this and, and this kind of effectively corruption that has been proven to be corruption and like reinforcing these lies about Donald Trump is still wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that doesn't mean I'm a fan of Trump. It just means it's still wrong, and you're lowering. Whatever happened to when we go, when they go low, we go high? You know, was that not the famous line from um, Michelle Obama, "When they go low, we go high"? So how do you explain this then? Well, you don't have well, to explain it because nobody will ever report on it because it doesn't suit the narrative.
0: But it's not just the Trump thing. It's a it's an example of a wider problem, which is I go back to um COVID. I think really exposed this with the where where. Basically, anybody with a reasonable scientific objection to face masks or to lockdowns was shouted down on the basis that, um, you know, we are telling people that face masks work perfectly. We're telling them that lockdowns are the best solution to the problem on the basis that we believe this, therefore uh, are are insisting on this and not covering the other side of the story is in the greater good. And our job as journalists is not to tell people the news. It is to advance the greater good. So in in one case, it was, it was shutting down all dissent in the face of COVID. In another case, it was reinforcing to everyone that Donald Trump is a bad guy. Um, all those lies, and a lot of them were lies in both cases, We're entirely justified on the basis that our job as journalists is to make the world a better place by convincing people of our opinions. That is the attitude that infests the entirety of the Irish media. You see it on Brexit as well, by the way, their coverage of Brexit, which is whatever you think of Brexit, entirely and utterly one-sided. I mean, the Irish media believes it is its job to keep approval of the European Union and Ireland High, absolutely believes that. Um, therefore you don't get any... I mean, do you, do you remember just last year there's the, the scandal which is currently going on in the European Parliament where uh, an Eastern, Euro, a, a Middle Eastern country was bribing MEPs? And this came right. out. I think it merited about... Is, you say right, because I don't... Did you even know about that? No. There you go. Um, major scandal in the European Parliament. Um, and you who follow the Irish news haven't even heard about it. And a lot of people haven't because uh it's it's another example of where the media decides not to cover a story if that story might make people think the wrong things and it's 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 we tie it back into the current immigration story as well where if there which is why Claire is interesting where the local people are never interviewed because the media thinks it's their job to keep the focus on the few agitators in the traveling circus who go around the country whipping these things up or 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 capitalizing on them rather than interviewing local people's concerns because they'd rather make it about the big, big bad far right than tell the truth which is that lots of local communities are very concerned so i think it's all part of the same pattern that's my yeah. my view of it
1: yeah i mean um, like the, the, but the, the 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 far right thing i say it I, I said it before and i'll say it again like i just think that the far right old right thing is just starting to wear it in because it's being mm-hmm. overused and people aren't falling for it. And you, you said yourself like the people in Inch and places like that, they're showing their face. They don't care anymore. They don't yep. care. Like they're, they're, this is people's lives. I, I saw a tweet earlier on with someone saying, oh, uh, you know, um, sorry to the people of Inch, but I'll never spend a penny in your racist town. Yeah, but you don't live there. So yep. you don't care. This is just yeah. pantomime for you so that you can virtue signal on Twitter how unracist you are call other people racist and then tell them you'll never spend a penny in their town. I doubt they'll miss you. But like I
0: would love I would love to get that person and stand them in front of a map of Ireland with nothing say, on the map and say point out Inch to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would love like, to do
0: that. Um yeah.
1: But it's, it's, it's I, I, like it's another opportunity for people to work virtue signal. And then when the when the like loonies from both sides of the art of the age old debates in Ireland show up next week, they'll go, oh, there's such and such oh, it, just pure, pure example of how the alt right have taken over this debate. No, it was started by local residents. It's because it's, it's a legitimate local resident concern. You didn't want to listen to that. You waited until the loonies showed up and then you use the loonies as an example of the fact that as a demonstration of proof that this is run by loonies. And you know what you're doing. The shtick is wearing thin. You do this every every, with every single thing and people are seeing through it. Thank God.
0: All right. Look, we've gone for an hour, so we will leave it there. But as ever, thank you very much, Sarah, for your views. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank you for putting up with me as well. And uh, we will see you again this time next week for another edition of The Week That Really Was.